have come to do your will. From the epistle to the Hebrews, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Immediately before the Passion narrative in St. John's text, Pilate asks a question. What is truth? And the text is thinner than we'd like. If we're honest, it almost always is. Is this the earnest question of a man locked in a game he is long tired of playing? Or is it perhaps the seasoned punchline of a veteran politician? Don't you know I have authority, he says. Don't you know I have power? He may, in fact, grow tired of the game, but he knows that he has good cards. And so he lays down his hand, a royal flush, he thinks, to wash the lingering question of truth down the drain for good. Albert Einstein said that the definition of insanity was doing the same thing again and again, but expecting different results. Except Albert Einstein didn't say that. Or if he did, uh, there's no direct proof of it. Instead, what likely happened was this quote floated around so long that someone finally decided to bolt it down and just looked for a famously brilliant person to affix it to. Mark Twain and Benjamin Franklin have also said this, according to the internet. Because something can't be true unless someone famous said it. And there we are again, right back at power. But is it true? Well, not technically. Insanity is, of course, a, a larger question than a simple quippy line can take care of for us. But there is something in that quote, is there not? Perhaps, perhaps it has broader implications. If you look throughout the story of the biblical narrative, and indeed if we, each of us, perhaps examine experiences of our own lives, perhaps we come to face the truth that the condition of humanity is doing the same thing again and again, but expecting different results. If we move outside of the biblical canon or even our own lives, we will be met with the myth of Sisyphus. Sisyphus the king who thought of a way that he might achieve immortality. A challenge to which he brought his wit and his reason and his human ingenuity, the same ingenuity that allows us to conjure up new cures for diseases, to extend our lives, that gives us the power to send ships hurling across the sea, to raise up towers so high that they brush the sky itself, and yes, even to send fiery arrows shooting into the heavens. But of course, Sisyphus, for all his wit and wisdom, was unsuccessful. He was ultimately unable to cheat 
death. And his punishment for trying to do so, to attempting to circumvent death, was to push a boulder up a hill, only to reach the top of the hill and to watch it fall down the other side and thus reset the board and start the climb all over again and on and on into eternity. This punishment is not random. It is fitting of the crime. Because when you or I, like Sisyphus, attempt to circumvent death, we join him in exercising futility. We cannot outrun death. We may avoid it for a time, may put it off for a season. But it is a ragged, pale horse, and it comes for you and for me, and hell follows with it. And that is the news on this day. On the one day that the church names good. The origins for calling this day good are as difficult to find as the origin of the quote I mentioned earlier. What right do we have to name this day good? What are we thinking to, to call a day full of suffering and death good? If you're like me, you want to answer by rushing to the resurrection. Perhaps you want to move on as quickly as you can even to ascension and Pentecost and even to new creation. But I ask that you not read ahead this day. I ask that you not pass over the cross. I ask that you resist the temptation to circumvent death. Because on this day, Christ did not. On this day, he did not run. This day he was tortured and beaten. On this day he walked the cruciform road. On this day he carried a heavy burden up the hill of the skull. On this day he reached the top of Golgotha's mount. On this day he was crucified. On this day he died. And it was good. The first good day in a long, long time. The first day since the world had shot back into chaos that a human being had said with every fiber of his being, with every piece of his soul, with his whole body, Lord, I have come to do your will. did not run from the pale horse and when the beast appeared 
It swallowed him up. We may know how the story ends. We may know that death bit off more than it could chew, that hell took in more than it could hold. But do not fail to see that this day is good. This day is good. Because no longer do priests have to wade through mounds of powerless blood. And no longer do you or I have to carry the weight of the world in a meaningless, infinite loop. And no longer do you or I have to play a game that we were born to lose. Because the curtain was torn on this day. The final and the perfect sacrifice was made on this day. And so God's holiness was made readily available on this day. And we name this day as good because from henceforth, when God seeks out the definition of humanity, he looks no further than Jesus Christ. And we may and we should grieve that our sin held him there upon the cross. But we should also rest in this beautiful sacrifice, in the embrace of God's love and grace offered for us. It is finished, Jesus said. And with that, he gave up his spirit. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.